Hello and welcome to Trainer's Voice, brought to you by Guardian Angel Equine Services. This podcast was created for the busy equestrians in mind, for on-the-go training, chat, and learning. My goal as a horse trainer is to help improve horses' lives and performance by educating and helping their owners. These episodes are my opinions based on my knowledge from research and experience. Feel free to ask any questions. All my links will be in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. So an episode or two ago, I talked about my new approach this year for um, just uh, how I want to approach people in thinking about new training techniques. So there's a lot of people who have the knowledge and the right um, idea about doing things, but when it comes to helping others or Um, trying to get others to take a different direction or less abusive um, techniques, their way of going about it is completely wrong. They scare people off. They don't really um, capture the person's mind in helping them to really understand um, what direction they need to take. So, more like people calling other people out or um, putting them down, making them feel terrible about themselves. And I I want to do a different approach this year as in, let me just show you a type of approach. You know, instead of trying to talk to people about it, I plan on doing a lot with Jake this year and hopefully that'll help me be able to show people new techniques that they can try with their horses to help get... um, sometimes better or faster results. And so I'm super excited about that. I don't really want to take the approach of trying to make someone feel bad or calling them out. And don't get me wrong, I do think there is a time and place to literally call people out for their ignorance. Um, And that's usually where I would say abuse or needing to get someone's attention or everyone's attention in order to get that person to stop what they're doing. So these are going to be more extreme issues where I would just blatantly call someone out and tell them they are being abusive and that they are doing this wrong versus um, other people who maybe aren't being abusive, have the right mindset, but just need to go about it a different way. Those people we need to kind of take a different approach with. Um, So anyway, that, as I said in my last one or two episodes, um, I wanted to take a different approach this year. But along with that, um, I wanted to speak with y'all today about just techniques in general. Um, abusive techniques, neglect techniques, um, just different types of techniques that I have actually quite seen a lot lately that really bother me. So, starting out as a horse trainer, um, you know, I've trained multiple horses, and I never once felt that I had to tie my horse's leg up. Um, I personally do see this as an abusive situation. Um, I know there's a lot of people that do it. There's a lot of people that don't view it as wrong. Um... I don't really agree with it. I don't feel like there's a need at any point for you to have to do that ever, really. 
Um, there's always other ways around um, training versus just tying their leg up and uh, hobbling them. Not like hobbles in general. I've hobbled horses. I've taught horses how to hobble. But I just mean like literally tying a front leg up to their belly or a back leg up to their flank. You know, really um, putting that horse in a dangerous situation. I've seen that a lot lately. And I really, you know, I say I've never felt the need to do that or been put in that situation to where I feel like I've had to do that. And a lot of people would argue that, well, you haven't trained that many horses or you haven't trained horses that are um, dangerous or crazy or anything like that. And, you know, that's honestly completely false. Um, While I have not been using this newer method that I've been um, working with Jake, I have, I have trained the Clinton Anderson way, you know, I, I was, I was from that, that generation of, you know, um, I don't want to say horse abuse. It's not really, um, but like, you know, I was that pressure and lease train pressure and release trainer. I used whips, I used spurs, you know, all those things. So it's not like I'm sitting here just being a Karen about it. And because I've been there, I've done that. And I'm saying this as my experience because I have recognized things that I've done wrong. I have recognized things that I could have done better. And even with that being said, I've never had to tie a horse's leg up. I don't even know a situation where you would have to do that. Um, a lot of people do them um, when they're first saddling so the horse can't buck, which to me is... I would rather the horse buck than break a leg, you know? There's so many different different ways and so many reasons as to why this method, to me, should never be talked about. Now, if you're listening to this and you've done it before or you still do it, you know, I'm not in any way saying that you, yourself, or is a horrible trainer. What I mean is that technique and that method, to me, is not necessary at all. And the people who really grow and create better horses are those who will recognize, maybe I can do this different. Maybe every horse that I have raised and trained or all the horses that I have broke to ride. And y'all know I hate using that word broke. But all the horses I have trained to be ridden. I've never had them buck on my first ride. And now, that's not me tooting my own horn. (laughs) Haha, I've never had my horse bucked. It's about how you go about your training method. While then using those training methods, I don't don't really 100% agree with what I did then. But yet, they were still good enough that the horses did not feel threatened. They didn't feel scared. They weren't frightened. They didn't feel the need to buck, which says a lot because I feel like we have really, um, what's the word, modernized, I guess, or we've really accepted the whole bronco stage in horses as a thing, and it shouldn't be a thing. We shouldn't be saddling horses and expecting them to buck. That shows a flaw in your training system. So, if you're saddling a horse and he starts bucking, 
you've missed way too many steps in your training for them to be ready for that saddle. And I'm saying this out of experience as well, because while all the horses who I've started under saddle haven't bucked within the first, I don't know, I'd say two or three sessions of riding, of course they have bucked at some point in their life. Jake has thrown me many different times. I've had him since he was a baby. I don't think he actually bucked until he was probably five years old is when he actually started his bucking issues. And those were actually caused from other issues. Um, poor saddle fitting, um, not, not feeling okay, you know, some pain issues. And so it really bothers me that now people think that the horses bucking when they are training them, um, new under saddle and stuff is like just the normal. It's not normal. They shouldn't need to buck. Even me training the horses I did then, not knowing what I know now, I'm still pretty proud of the fact that they all responded the way they did. None of them felt the need to buck. None of them felt threatened. None of them had issues like that. And it bothers me that we've normalized the whole bucking stage when saddling the horses because that's not normal. You can train horses without them bucking, you know? Now, I'm not saying that they're never going to buck at all or that they shouldn't ever buck at all. Bucking is, um, to me, a communication to the human of there's a problem. And so, you know, a horse is going to buck throughout their life, you know? It may not be a whole lot, you know? But a bucking is a form of communication to horses, for from horses to us. So... The fact that we tie our horse's legs up and find that normal, or the fact that the horses buck during the first stages of their riding is normal, um, or even just having the saddle on and them bucking is normal. I was always taught growing up that when you throw the saddle on, they're going to start bucking. You just got to let them buck it out because they got to learn that it's not going to hurt them. Well, me doing all the research I did last year and this year, learning everything I have, we can teach them not to be afraid of it and to accept it before we even cinch it onto them and expect them to run around the round pin. Like there's a whole lot of steps in between there that was missed. So there's a lot of things I did. I, I probably, there's a lot of techniques I did that I'd probably never use again. That's okay. So those two techniques are the biggest thing. The other technique that actually had a huge impact on my life um, that some of you may have heard the story, some of you may not have. I posted on my Facebook page a long time ago when this happened that I swore I would never keep my mouth shut again. So this goes to that whole point of calling people out and taking a stand. So this is the reason why I say, you know, I'm going about things a different way. But when you need to call somebody out for neglect or, or abuse. So I met someone and um, I was out and this horse got out of the pen and ran off, ran down the road. The owner was furious with this horse and she had been introduced at, at what point in her life was it? I don't know. But she had been been introduced to, uh, or he, 
he had been introduced to this uh, technique of training of not watering the horse. So he got out, he ran off, and so he went into a pen all by himself with no water. And his owner said that, you know, he would learn that if I come out there and I give him water, he's going to do what I want him to do, or he's going to want to be with me. Well, of course he's going to be with you because you're his only lifeline at that point. But, so this went on for a few days. And at first, I'm thinking in my head, what is this man doing? Like, who taught, who told him this and who, who told him it was okay? But I kept my mouth shut because it wasn't my business, not my horse. So, kind of goes back to that, not my, not my pasture, not my mares. Um, or not my pasture, not my horses. So you know, it was what it was. I decided to keep my mouth shut and a few days goes on and I started to give this horse water because I was getting so uncomfortable with how long his owner was letting him do this. And I was giving him little drinks of water, not letting him guzzle himself or anything like that. And, um, before too long, and I did hint to his owner that, you know, there was a few things that, could go wrong if he didn't give his horse water at a certain point. Like his organs would shut down, his um, body would shut down, and he would die. So, all in all, I think the horse went without water for a little less than a week. I can't really remember. It's been surprisingly over a year ago that this happened. But even with trying to explain, you know, the need of having water, um, the owners, his idea of training was that every time he went to catch the horse in the pasture, the horse should stand there and let the halter be put on it. Okay. Well, every time he wouldn't, then he would deprive the horse of water again. So he'd go out and he'd try to put the halter on. And if he didn't do what he wanted, then he would deprive the horse of water. If the horse did what he wanted, he would give it um, water. So it's kind of like a mixture of positive reinforcement and negative punishment at its extreme I guess, but so when eventually, um, he went out there, um, and the horse consistently let him catch him for, I think it was three times in one day. And then he'd give the horse water. Well, then he turned the horse out into the pasture cause he was, I guess, happy with the results. I don't know. Um, and let me tell you that the time I've seen this horse in the pasture, he did not look great. His coat was dull. He was dropping weight. I mean, it looked like there was something wrong. And the times that I would try to give him little amounts of water, it was like he literally was dying of thirst because he was. So... 
Um, not long after the horse was released back into the uh, pasture that I went out there and the owner had told me that he had passed away. Now, I guess due to the findings of the horse in the pasture, the owner was thinking of other causes, um, being kicked in the head, struck by lightning, like there's a lot of different um, things that the owner had suggested had killed this horse. Everything except the need to survive of having water. So obviously, you know, I, you know, I think that the horse died because it had lack of water. I don't know, and I have not done the research over how long horses can go without water, but if it wasn't a week, it was a little less than a week of that horse without having water. But I would put my life on it that that horse died because it didn't have water and the owner was depriving it of water. And so, you know, after that, I vowed that I would never keep my mouth shut in instances like that where it's life or death or just blatantly abuse to the animals because I kept my mouth shut and it cost that horse its life. And it sounds, it, it sounds like something out of a book. Like the object of training by depriving the animal of his natural needs, water, food, um, anything that he needs to survive, you know, the idea of tr using that as a training method, a lot of people that I talk to, you know, people even who don't have horses and people who do have horses, they're like, obviously that is not a way to train horses, but yet that is still something that is used to this day. I have known people that still use this method to this day and it just is not it's just plain out neglect and abuse I don't know how else to call it it's not a training method it's not a technique it's just blatant neglect and abuse and you can mess your horse up not only physically and emotionally but you can cause that horse to have issues for the rest of his life and so um, that's just another technique, if you will, I guess, that people use that I just plain don't agree with and never felt like I had to use that technique. Uh, there's this thing going around, like people, you have to be the boss, you have to be dominant, and horses just don't work that way. And it comes like with uh, training babies. My favorite horses to train are yearlings. I have trained quite a few, and that's what I trained when I was in the uh, vocational school. And I'm proud to say that most of my babies that I trained in that, uh, in that school, other than the fact of having to share that baby, so I was not the only one working with that baby, but the ones that I had messed with, I felt like, had great potential and I really liked them but the thing is people see this as a predator animal people view horses as being predators they think that they can plan against you they think that they have emotional ties as 
um, revenge or out to get you and that they're just blatantly wanting to come after you. And while there are horses like that, I don't believe horses are born like that. They are not predators. They don't have a brain like ours. They don't have a brain like predators, you know? Um, the whole dominance theory to me, and I haven't quite a hundred percent gotten into this. I just know that the dominance theory is scientifically false when it comes to horses. But to me, when people talk about being dominant and that you have to be dominant over the horse and that horses have a hierarchy in the herd, like to me, that's, that is a predator thing. That's a predator instinct. That's a predator group. You know, that's a predator thing. That's not a prey thing. And I feel like people see horses more as predators than they do prey. And that's just not how it is. So all the babies that I've trained, you know, everyone always tell you, watch, watch the back feet, watch the back feet. You know, they'll come after you. They'll, you know, yeah, they come after you when they're scared, when they have hit that threshold and there's a fight, flight, freeze. What is it? Fight, flight, freeze or fidget instinct that goes on. So a lot of the times I've noticed after learning all this, horses will fidget a lot and you won't see it. Like you will not notice it if you're not looking for it. So they go into that threshold. So the threshold of just mental capacity that they are fixing to blow. They're uncomfortable. They are over it. And so usually what I have found with my own horses and by kind of looking back at the babies I've trained, fidget is the first thing that pops up. If you're looking for it, you can see it plain as day. If you're not looking for it, then you don't quite see it. So fidgeting is going to be the first thing that they do. And then, you know, and some of these, not all horses are the same. Some of these don't go through all these stages. Some of them just pop like a balloon. Um, and then you go into that um, freeze state where they just stand there, they don't know what to do, they're looking at you, and it's like, I, I, yeah, yeah, don't know what you're doing, just standing there, they freeze, so then you go into the flight mode, if they can't fly, flight, if they can't run away, then they fight, after they fight, then they run away, once they see that option, so the biggest concern I see in everyday thing, in everyday horses that I see almost, People forget that they're prey animals. People will push them until they get a fight instinct and then think, oh my gosh, this horse is crazy. You know, it, it did this and it did that. Well, you're not looking at the horse's emotional state. The more I've learned, the more I've grown. And I have really taken on when training horses, the emotional part as more important than the physical part of the training. Horses are so much more emotional creatures than they are physical creatures. You know, yeah, we see them and uh, we want to uh, do events on them. So barrel racing, cutting, all these things. So they are very um, athletic creatures. We want to do all those things. But when we are training horses, 
we train the physical parts of them. We don't train the emotional parts. And I feel like that's where a majority of the horse trainer world has failed our clients because who cares about the emotional state of the horse, right? So I've really, after uh, researching and learning what I have, decided that my training methods are going to stay specifically for the emotional part of the horse first before the physical part. So um, that being said, majority of the babies, when I'm training them, I don't really pay attention to their back feet because here's why. And I'm not saying this is something you should go do at home or you should do with all your babies or whatever. This is my experience and what I'm comfortable, comfortable with doing. And when I'm working with a baby, even in a stall, small, compact area, and say I walk, I, so say I am in the transition of walking up to touch that baby on the shoulder, getting him comfortable with me walking up and touching him. This horse is not comfortable with me at all. So I'm walking up and touching it. If this horse feels threatened and feels like he needs to flee, I am going to acknowledge that. If I give him a way out, out of every situation, if I give him the opportunity to move forward and away from me, that horse, I won't say 90, but 80% of the time, and if it was me, I would say 99% of the time with my experiences, you know, um, they won't kick. They'll flee and run away, you know, and not harm you. Now, I know most of the people out in this world are going to be like, oh my gosh, no, they won't. They will kick you. They will hurt you, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, there, there's always that chance. Betting freaking broke my arm. Okay, I get that. I know that. So I'm going to say, I'm going to stick with the 80% of the time for all you other people. But Betton is the first horse that has kicked me in that situation. And the reason Betton kicked me was not because he was scared and I did not let him run away. I kept him in fight mode. So he went into flight mode, tried to run away, and when I didn't let him run away, he went into fight mode and kicked me. So it's kind of plain as day that my theory still stands to me personally. So most of the time, if they have a way out, they're not going to harm you. They're going to get away. They don't care about kicking you. The point where it comes dangerous is where you have overstepped your boundaries. You have pushed them to that point and they feel like they are fixing to die. Then they will hurt you. They will try to get away from you. So, you know, um, and there's horses. I've heard multiple people with multiple stories of horses that will just plain as day come teeth bearing right at you as soon as you get into the stall or as soon as you get into the pasture all this. It does not mean that that horse is just innately aggressive. He is uncomfortable with you. He is uncomfortable with your presence. And that's something you have to work on. That doesn't mean he's just aggressive. It doesn't mean that he just wants to kill everybody that comes in his, in his pen. He needs someone that will understand what he has been through and will help him through that. That's just like... So I was talking about 
in the example of touching the uh, foal on the shoulder or a, we a yearling on the shoulder and moving away. And I put him into the situation where he needs to flee and run away. You shouldn't have to put them in that situation. If the horse is uncomfortable with me stepping into the, uh, into the stall or round pen or wherever he's at, that's something I have to work on first. I can't just immediately start rummaging in the stall or in the round pen and just start doing things, you know, like everyone does these days. Because then that takes an emotional state out of the horse. And then that creates a horse that does want to hurt everyone that comes near them because they have been taught that humans emotionally hurt them. And that humans are not a good emotional state, that they are a harm, that they are a threat. So if you, in the beginning, recognize this horse doesn't want me in the stall, what can I do to improve that? What can I do to help this horse before I start going to touch him, before I start putting pressure on him? You know, those things is what you should be doing. If you take care of that first, and slowly start building, you will not get a horse who wants to come after you every time you get in the stall. You know, there's multiple steps that we as horse trainers have missed throughout the years of our training and experience and blah, blah, blah. And I do feel like the biggest problem of the equine industry as trainers anyway, is that we all literally go off our experience. That's all anybody gives you. You know, nobody went to college for this training method or that training method or this training method. You know, we take courses. Well, we may buy a course from a certain trainer or go to these clinics with a certain trainer and blah, 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 and start doing our own courses. But the thing is, I don't know a whole lot of trainers who actually took time out of their day. And I don't mean you have to go to college. I didn't go to college and I don't plan on going to college. But I took time out of my day. I took a whole year to study the equine brain, to study the emotions, and to study ways of training that have been studied scientifically, you know? I took time to learn more. I took time to learn more about the horse versus a training method. I took time to learn more about the emotional state of horses and what ways of working with horses do what for the horse or has an impact on that horse. That is what we lack as trainers. We all just go off of experience and experience does not mean a whole lot without knowledge because uh, like I said, trainers, uh, uh, trainers that deprive horses of water or trainers that tie horses legs up. They've had all the experience in the world of training, right? Yeah, but they're still tying horses' legs up, and they haven't found a better way to train the horse without having to do that. Like, they may have experience, but they don't have that knowledge. So, that's just something that really has been getting me, is because we're lacking trainers want to learn more about the horse. People do not care about the horse's emotional state. And I'll be honest, I didn't really think a whole lot of it when I got into horses and started actually training horses for clients. I didn't think a whole lot of it until last year when I studied a lot of it. 
and honestly, I'm super surprised, and there's techniques that I've used that I probably will never use again, and it was just very surprising to me, and then it also opened up my eyes as to equestrians don't care about the horse's mental state. I'll say most equestrians. There's a lot of people out there who I've met, and there's a lot of people I know have a good place in their heart that they want to do the best for their animals. But a lot of the times I feel like what we do is we put this face on it. Oh, my horse loves doing this, or he loves doing that. Instead of actually looking at the horse's body language and actually understanding what it means. Because let me tell you, I read um, multiple books on just equine language, like body language um, and signals and stuff. And let me tell you what. There's a lot of things I was taught as a child that has scientifically been proven wrong about horses' body language. So what you may know may not be what you think it is. And a lot of times we put a human feel on it. Oh, my horse loves to barrel race. Really? Does your horse love to or do, or do you love to? My horse loves to run. Really? Do you love to run or does your horse love to run? Most of the time it's you. It's the owner. It's the trainer. It's whoever's working with that horse. You know, I do get like, I think love is a very strong word. I do think that horses like to do certain things. Horses like cows. Horses like um, running, you know. They like to do these things, but I would say that love is a strong word to put on it. That's just my opinion. Now, I'm not saying that you should stop doing those things. Obviously, if a horse likes to do it, then find ways to do it, you know. Find ethical ways to do it versus putting your feelings on that horse and saying your horse likes to do something or loves to do something when they don't, you know? Jake likes to run. And, you know, there's times that I've told people, you know, he loves to run. That's my feelings. I think he loves to run, but does he really? I don't think so. I think he likes to. I don't think it's something he would want to do every single weekend of every month you know, so that's just my feelings, I just wanted to talk about a couple techniques, you know, about the tying the legs up, depriving horses of natural leads, and all that, I, because they, these are still techniques that are used today for training methods, that it blows my mind, and I'm still finding ones that I've never thought of, or I've never knew before, you know, the technique of laying horses down, to assert dominance is science first of all scientifically been proven wrong you can disagree with science all you want but the people who have put in the time and work to actually study these subjects know more than you automatically because they actually dedicated their time to learning more about it so in my opinion if it's scientifically false well, it's false, you know, so, but my opinion about laying a horse down, I've never, I've also never had to lay a horse down, I don't really see the benefit of it, I don't see what they think is such a big deal about it, um, my yearling Betton 
he's fixing to be two, and he's laid down with me like two or three times on his own. My thought process of training horses is I want this horse to do this. Like if I want a horse to lay down, I want him to lay down because he feels comfortable and he wants to. I don't want to make him lay down. That doesn't mean he wants to work with me. That means I'm bullying him into doing something. And that's how most trainers are these days. They bully their horses into doing what they want. And that's not how I roll. But, you know, there's a lot of methods out there that are very surprising to me. And there's still some that I'm finding out about that I'm like, holy crap, where did y'all come up with this crap? And, you know, it's just surprising. So, I guess that's just really all my thoughts for today. I, um... Just kind of wanted to put that out there, kind of get y'all to open your minds a little bit, kind of figure out, you know, just kind of pay attention to these things. I highly recommend um, reading Raquel Dreisma's book, um, Equine, Body Language, and Calming Signals. And uh, what other book is it? There's another book called Human Brain, Horse Brain, or Horse uh, Equine, Horse Brain, Human Brain, or something like that. Highly recommend that one as well. Um, I've read a few pages, but I haven't finished it yet, but I highly recommend it. Um, those are very great books to get you started and they are not positive reinforcement based books. They're just great educational books. So, um, highly recommend those and hopefully we'll chat again soon. I just want to talk about that because that horse, that horse's death kind of popped up on my mind and I, uh, just felt like I had to talk about these techniques that I feel like are abuse and they're definitely unethical. So um, thanks for stopping in and we'll talk to y'all later.